Hello, everyone. It's Eves checking in here to let you know that you're going to be hearing two different events in history in this episode. They're both good, if I do say so myself. On with the show. Greetings, everyone. Welcome to This Day in History class, where we bring you a new tidbit from history every day. The day was May 18, 1902. Minister of Education Spiridon Styes was looking through artifacts salvaged from a shipwreck off the coast of the Greek island Andikythera when he found the Andikythera mechanism. The mechanism, which is a 2,000-year-old calculating machine, has been considered the world's oldest known analog computer. The island of Andikythera is located in the Aegean Sea, near the island of Crete. In 1900, sponge divers in the area found the wreck of an ancient cargo vessel that sank around the first century BCE. Over the next year, the divers dug up statues, coins, jewelry, and other sunken treasures. They sent the artifacts to the National Museum of Archaeology in Athens for cataloging and restoration, but some of the items were largely ignored. The divers had found a bunch of decayed bronze shards, which did not immediately capture the attention of archaeologists. But on May 18, 1902, Styes realized that many of the bronze pieces had interlocking gears that had not been observed in artifacts from this era before. Those gears and dials made it seem like the fragments had to have come from a device for navigation or a clock. Archaeologists thought it might have been a kind of astrolabe. Others thought it might have been the sphere of Archimedes. Some of the archaeologists even thought the mechanism could not have been from the first century BCE because it appeared so advanced. The mechanism is made of more than 30 bronze gear wheels, dials, and pointers, and it has inscriptions on it. After the mechanism was discovered, research into its origins and purpose was basically sidelined, but it was later found that the device was really old, dated to somewhere around 85 BCE initially, and later posited that it could be decades older. In the 1950s, science historian Derek J. DeSala Price suggested that the mechanism was used to predict the position of the planets and stars based on the month. He said it was like a modern analog computer. In 1971, Price and a Greek radiographer took the first x-rays of the mechanism. And three years later, Price published a monograph based on his research titled Gears from the Greeks. Studies have also said the mechanism could determine the phases of the moon, adjust the calendar, predict solar and lunar eclipses, and determine the dates of the ancient Olympic Games. Some researchers say that the mechanism was used to teach astronomy to people who did not know much about it. But research into what the Antikythera mechanism did and how it operated is ongoing. Questions that remain are who used it, how exactly it was used, who built it, and whether there are other mechanisms out there like it. Today, the Andikythera mechanism is housed at the National Archaeological Museum in Athens, where displays detail the mechanism's proposed appearance and function. I'm Eve Jeffcoat, and hopefully you know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. If you'd like to learn more about the Andikythera mechanism, you can listen to the Stuff You Missed in History Class episode about it titled The Andikythera Mechanism. An additional note on the dating in this episode, 
May 18th is the day that this happened on the Julian calendar. And it's also been said that the actual day of the discovery could have been May 20th on the Julian calendar, which Greece was still using at the time. And that would have been June 2nd on the Gregorian calendar. There has also been confusion over who actually discovered the mechanism. Based on contemporary sources, it seems like Spyridon was the first to notice the mechanism's fragments, though he could have collaborated with Valerios, who was an archaeologist, on the discovery. You can learn more about history by following us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at TDIHC Podcast. Thanks for showing up. We'll meet here again tomorrow. Hello, everyone. I'm Eves, and welcome to This Day in History Class, a podcast for people who can never know enough about history. The day was May 18, 1953. Aviator Jackie Cochran became the first woman to break the sound barrier. Cochran learned to fly in the early 1930s, taking flying lessons at the Roosevelt Flying School on Long Island. It only took her three weeks to get her pilot's license. She then trained and built up flight hours at the Ryan School of Aeronautics in San Diego, California. Cochran got her commercial pilot's license in 1933. The next year, she entered the McRobertson Air Race from London to Melbourne. Cochran had been interested in cosmetics even before she began flying, and in 1935, she combined her passions for the two fields by establishing a cosmetics company, for which she flew around the country delivering products and getting new distributors. She was aware of how her flying career and cosmetics business affected each other, and she often paused to apply lipstick while in the cockpit. All the while, Cochran was earning first, setting records and starting new initiatives in flight. In 1937, she became the first woman to make an instrument landing. In 1938, she won the Bendix Transcontinental Air Race. During World War II, she also organized the Women's Flying Training Detachment to train civilian women pilots. These women would ferry aircraft and personnel, tow targets, and fly in other non-combat capacities. After the war, Cochran set multiple speed records in her Lockheed Lodestar. One of the achievements she's best remembered for is becoming the first woman to reach supersonic flight. Chuck Yeager was the first person ever to break the sound barrier when he flew faster than the speed of sound in the Bell X-1 in 1947. Yeager was a lifelong friend of Cochran's. On May 18, 1953, with the guidance of Yeager, Cochran became the first woman to fly faster than the speed of sound in the Canadian-built F-86 Sabre, She had borrowed the jet, since military aircraft weren't available to civilian pilots. Cochran went on to set other supersonic records, and the realm of supersonic flight continued to develop. She was the first woman to exceed Mach 2, where Mach 2 is twice the speed of sound. Though she was involved in a program that tested the ability of women to be astronauts in the 1960s, she did argue against the feasibility of including women in a space program that was already established. Cochran was also the first woman to pilot a jet across the Atlantic, and she was the first woman to land a jet on an aircraft carrier. Outside of her flying career, Cochran was involved in politics with the Republican Party and supported Dwight Eisenhower's presidential candidacy, in addition to running for Congress in 1956. 
When she died in 1980, Cochran held more speed, distance, or altitude records than any other pilot. I'm Eve Jeffcoat, and hopefully you know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. And if you have any comments or suggestions for future episodes, you can send them to us at thisday at iheartmedia.com. You can also hit us up on social media. We're at T-D-I-H-C podcast. Thanks so much for listening to the show, and we'll see you tomorrow. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.